Ah, it's been a wee while, hasn't it? Actually, I, I, I think it's two months since I've preached last, but I have to say that um, I haven't missed it in the, in the slightest. And because I've been enjoying you guys, and you know, we have you know, we had a whole bunch of you, um, you know, speaking and ministering to us, and I just have been really enjoying that um, aspect of our church, that we've got more than just the pastors that are able to bring you know, solid messages, and it's just so cool to be a part of that journey. And so today, I'm, I'm just going to get into it, I just because I'm sort of conscious of time, but um, today I just want to bring a subject that um, normally I would um, have something on my heart. Is, is this really loud? It's okay. Um, I have something on my heart that's been sort of ticking along for a while, and t- to be honest, I've had nothing on my heart <laughs> at all. But I have got my journey on my heart at the moment and uh, so I just want to share that today and I really just you know listening to the worship this morning it's like everything I want to say this morning pretty much is reflected in the worship service that we've just had and uh, just loved that just loved coming into that that atmosphere and um, Willie wherever you are out there I can see Nat where's your hubby (laughs) that's good time okay I'll come back to him in a minute okay can we that's my subject today, is let the truth be told. And uh, I know that um, probably the best way to do it is go to the, the scripture that I got um, first. And that's Psalm 61, 1 and 2. And that says, Hear my cry, Lord, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I for you have, you have been a strong tower, a shelter to me, a strong tower from my enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle or your presence forever, and I will trust in the shelter of your wings. So, Willie, you're back. <laughs> I, I just, just, just being part of the worship this morning and just, just watching the team, you know, bring, take us into worship like that, I just really felt for you that, like, you've been in the grind in the past. I don't even know what that means. But it's been, I don't know, grind. It probably means hard. You've you've had some time in the past where it's been hard. But uh, now there's an anointing on your leadership, mate, for this season. And I I think as a church, what I'm sensing is that we're going to see something grow. Yeah, there's anointing here right now. There's there's, there's an anointing going to grow in your ministry and your giftings that is going to actually blow you away. And it's going to take this church into places that we haven't been yet, we haven't experienced yet. And, uh, and I know that you're a humble man, and God's going to promote you in ways that are um, going to be almost overwhelming to you. And, and the word minister, I guess that's like a, a minister of the gospel. I don't know, minister. I, I, you know, I love to say pastor, but the word minister came. So, but minister, ministry, that, that there is ministry in you. And uh, that's going to be very evident in this coming season. Martha, uh, I was just, I was part of your worship this morning. And uh, I, I really sense for you that you are like an atmosphere changer. And um, the sad part is you sit on this side in this corner, which I benefit from. But, but it's like, you, you, I just feel you need to shake things up, girl. You know, go and sit in the middle over here somewhere. Go and sit over this side here. All these, look at these young ones over here. Go and sit in the middle of them and shake up the atmosphere. Don't play it safe. Martin can play enough safe for both of you. You get out and do what, 
what you just do naturally around people. And, and I would even challenge you to, to get out of what is familiar and go into the unfamiliar. You know, get, get around other people and just, just allow what's in you to just start coming out. And uh, there's an influence on you that is, is pretty special. And I think you know that you can influence environments and atmospheres, and you do that. And so I just encourage you to do it. Get out and do it. Martin, go with her. Just, just let it go, brother. Let it go. And uh, you guys are amazing. So just continue to do what, what, um, what's on your hearts. You, know, you have a passion for God, and just let it out. Let it go. All right. Um, I've got a song coming up that I, I want to um, play to us, and, and it's really about the lyrics that I want you to listen to. But um, my season uh, recently has been one of, um, it's been hard, <laughs> really hard. And uh, I know, um, I thought it was going to be okay today. You know how we've got that column in our, in our um, <laughs> mission statement, authentic, <laughs> authenticity, <laughs> authenticity. Um, I, I'm probably going to get a little bit real today about my journey and I just remember sitting at the table two or three weeks ago and I'm reading the Bible and the Bible means nothing to me at the moment to be honest. I read it and I get nothing and uh, what I do get I get a lot out of worship at the moment and that's where I guess the song comes from today. But I'm reading the Bible and I don't know what it triggered something and anyway I find myself upset and then Kath comes out and, from the bedroom and, are you okay? And I says, no. And I don't know what it was, but there was this, <laughs> I just let it go. And I was like, why did the accident happen? And why couldn't God <laughs> save my brother? And I realised in that moment that, I don't know if you know the, if you understand the grief journey, I hate grief journeys. But, you know, I know anger is part of the grief journey. And uh, this morning I realised that I was actually angry at God. <laughs> you know, God's forgiven me and then I've got to go and forgive God. <laughs> and so I didn't know it was in me, eh? I thought when people said, like we had a friend in Australia say, when the accident to my brother happened, I'm going to explain it a wee bit in a second if you don't know. She said, does it throw you in your faith? And I says, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Why would it? You know, God, you know, what am I going to do without God? No, I know. But then I didn't realise that, you know, it was like I had some big questions. And so if you are new here today or you don't know me or don't know my journey, I was on a hunting trip in Stewart Island with my brother uh, at the end of November um, and it was a fun thing that we do. Um, I've always been all my trips to Stewart Island, I've been with my brother and we're having fun first day and the second day he has an accident and, uh, and uh, literally it was a, the most freaky accident out, Not, nothing to do with rifles or guns or anything. He just fell off a sand dune and got a stick in his eye. So he got, um, uh, had to do the old let the old beacon off and got the helicopter out and got him to Needham Hospital. He was still talking in that when he left. And uh, we thought, you know, he just said, carry on hunting, and, and we thought he was going to get fixed. And then uh, the next evening, we got a message through the um, mountain radio saying, to my, my niece, going, Uncle Lyndon, you need to get back to the hospital right now. Because as a family, we were looking at turning his life support off. And so what went from being fun times, great time, went from being... 
I know when I flew to, when I when I flew the helicopter in the morning and back to Bluff and then we drove from Bluff to Invercargill and I unashamedly I, I howled, man. And the guys that were with me because they said, no, we're not hunting anymore. We're coming home as well. And I was you know, just crying so much. And then, so this scripture, you know, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. And it's like my heart's overwhelmed. I need something to grab onto. And that scripture's just been plaguing me for, I don't know, six weeks or so. I'm just thinking, this is true. I've got to hang on to God in this time. And then my brother um, was, was going to be turned off that day when I got to the, to the um, hospital. And I remember, you know, David says, my, uh, um, my strength fails me. I mean, I went to get out of the truck. The guys said, there you go, Lyndon, you can get out. And I wasn't driving, of course. I couldn't get out of the truck. It was like, I felt like I was old. And uh, then we got the news that he was actually responding. And I was like, what? All the churches are praying. You guys are praying. And other churches all around New Zealand were praying. And it was like, mate, this is it's happening. Um, it's, it's, it's going. Uh, he, he's going to make it. But then he had two strokes. His brain died. And on the 5th of December, we made the decision as a family to turn off his life support. And, uh, and I've been doing the grief journey since. And it's flipping hard. And uh, so what I want to do is um, play this song and listen to the lyrics of this. And after this song's played, I've got Mel who's going to just share her testimony and then I'll pick it up from there. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. When they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them never better. Lie number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. Truth be told, the truth is rarely told, no I say I'm fine, yeah I'm fine, oh I'm fine, hey I'm fine But I'm not, I'm broken And when it's out of control I say it's under control But it's not, and you know it I don't know why it's so hard to admit it When being honest is the only way to fix it there's no failure, no fault, there's no sin you don't already know So let the truth be told There's a sign on the door, it says come as you are, but I doubt it Cause if we live like that was true, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded Didn't you say church should look more like a hospital? A safe place for the sick, the sinner and the scarred and the prodigals like me Well truth be told, the truth is rarely told Oh am I the only one who says I'm fine, yeah I'm fine, oh I'm fine, yeah I'm fine but I'm 
When it's out of control, I say it's under control But it's not, and you know it I don't know why it's so hard to admit it When being honest is the only way to fix it There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know So let the truth be told Panic, I was going to have to speak really loud, and I was like, oh no, Kids Church is taking it out of me this morning. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name's Mel, you might see me wandering around with a wee boy or in Kids Church, um, and it's just a wee snippet of my story. So I am a single mum to a lovely five-year-old boy, and I found out I was pregnant at 16. At the time, I was dating a non-Christian boy, whose immediate response to the situation was it's time to get an abortion. This was someone who was older than me, someone I was dating, and someone I trusted. From the time I told him I was pregnant, from the time he booked an appointment at a clinic, was roughly about a day. And in that time, I was bombarded with messages um, from friends and friends of his and friends of mine that told me they'd had one and what an easy decision it was. I had a really hard time navigating the situation and it broke my heart to be put in a place where I had to. I'd grown up in a Christian family both of my parents had already told me what a blessing from God this child would be, and he'd be welcome into our home with open arms. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I made the decision to keep Elijah and became a single mum at 17. As much as I love being a mum, which is a lot, I still constantly questioned why this God who fiercely loved me would let me get pregnant at 16. Why would he want me to drop out of school? Why would he want to derail my life from the direction it was headed? And why, would I, why was I the only one out of all my friends who were doing the same thing to get pregnant? Over the next few years, I completed my schooling, finished a diploma in floristry, all while working and raising a one-year-old. During this time, my parents would watch Elijah a weekend a month so I didn't miss out on being a young adult. I spent this time drinking far too much with friends, smoking weed and sleeping around. Yet I was constantly told by those around me what an amazing job I was doing, how I was an inspiration to others, and how proud everyone was of me. I became very good at compartmentalising life in my head. I separated it into four categories. I was either being a mum, working, studying, or partying. If you knew me as a mum, it was the only side of me you'd see, and there was no crossover. For those of you who, don't, uh, who know me will realise I don't like talking about my feelings very much. It doesn't matter how big or small, it's not something I like to do. I'll try, I always try to be optimistic and view the glass half full. So when asked how I was doing by others, I was always fine. 
There was never any problems. Life was always great. Even though on the inside I felt judged by strangers and by friends and I was very lost and ashamed of what had happened. I was broken and longing for a God who didn't seem to be nearby. I remember attending church around this time where an old friend came over to me prior to the service and just started praying for Elijah, myself and for our future. And I made the decision to come back to God. And that's just a wee bit of my story, team. So I'll pass over to Linda. Wow, what a courageous story to tell. And uh, Mel, was, uh, we were sharing on the way back from Easter camp, and uh, she, I just said, What's, what is your story? And as she shared a story, I said, stop, can I have that bit? Because I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, hey, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not going to sing at all. But I'm not. <laughs> and, and that's our answer. And Warren came up to me this morning and says, How are you, young fella? I like the young fella bit. I says, Yeah, I'm fine. Oh! <laughs> oh! And a lot of you guys I know have come up and said, How are you? And, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty honest. I say, Mostly, I'm okay. Occasionally, I have a moment. I was at a, a, one of our grandchildren's birthday parties just, I don't know, three weeks ago or so, and uh, there was a young guy there that, um, he's a friend of our son's, and uh, my son's been working with him a lot, he had actually given his heart to God, goes to church, goes to their um, connect group, and, uh, but I wanted to have a talk to him, because the weekend earlier he had tried to commit suicide. He had taken a whole bootload of pills, and uh, really did some damage, um, but at the last second he managed to ring the ambulance and save himself. Uh, or maybe God saved him. And then he ended up three days in the IC, uh, ICU uh, unit in, in Christchurch here. He cannot remember them, can't get those days back. He was so close to going. And uh, because my, my, brother's, uh, my, my son's a good mate of his, he, he went and saw him when he came around. And, and uh, here he was like, oh man, I nearly did it. And uh, that was okay until the nurse came out. The nurse that came out recognised James. She was in Dunedin when my brother was fighting for his life. It's quite hard, eh? And then she said to him, I'm so sorry to see you here again so soon. And so in one instance, she was was in Dunedin, trying with a family, fighting for my brother to live, and he was fighting to live. And on the other hand, she's in Christchurch with a guy that tried to take his life. And it's like, if you, you talk to this young guy, as I was talking to him, you know, he was honest enough, to, honest enough to say, I'm not fine. He says, no, I don't know, I don't know what I was thinking. And this guy here, he had, he's, he's an amazing guy. He was a great rugby player in the lower grades and he played with our boys. And then as he got older, he, he started refereeing, which is quite a, a responsible job. And it's quite a hard job in rugby. And then he'd get jobs and he'd be working in various places and he'd get promoted until he'd be a you know, manager and, and then he'd be managing and then he'd be on the road promoting. And he was a guy that, if you met him, he, he's, a, he's actually he's a guy that knows how to, to do life. He's, he's really good. But under it, he's not fine. Under it, there's pain. And you know, one thing I, I realised is that suicide is private. It's not, you're not going to be at a meeting with a whole bunch of people and go, hey, 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 I'm going to do it now. You do it in the privacy 
when there's no one else around, you know. And then, then you look at things like, you know, anxiety, depression, that you look at, um, you know, marriage difficulties, relational difficulties, work, money um, issues. Often when you're doing things, it's not so bad, but when you're in private, it bugs you. When in private, it, it gets to you. And, and I just saw this with this young man, that in private is where he struggled. But when he's with the rest of us, he was fine. And I, I just the song... I like it in the fact that it's saying that um, it's, it's, it's coming into that thing saying you don't have to be fine. We all go through some stuff. And I think that song, you know, when it says I'm fine, I'm fine, it, it, it sort of shows us that um, that's our sort of normal response. We'll say, I'm okay, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm okay, yeah, I'm fine. But the thing about it is what happens when, when we're not okay and not fine, what we go is we go, go for comfort and escape. This young man tried to take his life as an escape. It wasn't no comfort in it. And he wasn't fine. And it's like, you know, you and I, when, when we're not doing okay, when, when, when we've got pain, you know, what we do is we, we go to comfort or escape. And, you know, it can be like, um, you know, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the fridge. Or when my heart is overwhelmed, you know, lead me to the liquor cabinet. Or in, on, online stuff. Or whatever. For this young man, it was gambling. And the problem is when we go to comfort instead of God, and when we, when we, or, or opening up to people that care about us, what happens is that, that what we go to for comfort ends up becoming the problem. And so this young guy would go and he'd gamble everything he had. And then when he didn't have anything left, he'd go and sell his car to some cheap dealership as quick as he can to get some cash to go and spend that. Then he uses up all his money. Then he loses his job because he can't get to work. And it just snowballs. And it's the same. And if we go to the fridge, we put on weight. And then it's like, ah, now I've got to get rid of this weight. Or if we, if we um, you know, anything that we turn to has side effects. And the side effects are actually worse than actually coming and, and say, hey, look, I need help. And going and seeing someone you know that genuinely cares about you and say, I need help. If you look at Matthew 26 to 38, uh, 38 and 39, it says, this is Jesus. And we, we, sometimes we say, you know, like, God, you know, you don't understand. Hey, look, I think Jesus understands more than we, we realize. And I just want to show you that you're not in this alone because Jesus went through exactly the same thing. He said to his disciples, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Now see what Jesus just did. He told them, I am not well. I'm not okay. Jesus has told them very, very clearly. And he went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Here he is. He's told his disciples, guys, you just need to, you need to watch with me. You need to pray. You need to stand with me because I'm in pain. If we look at the next, next one, Luke 22, 20, uh, 44 is exactly the same story, but just another, another chapter, another book. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood. That is serious sweating. And, the, and, and if we go back again, somehow, there we go. See what Jesus did here in, the second, in verse 39. He says, not my will, but your will. He, he, he knew that I need to hang on to you. I need to hang on to the rock. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Jesus himself said, Dad, Daddy, <laughs> Dad, I, I don't want to do this. 
Is there any other way? You know, he says somewhere, if you can take this cup from me here, there. He said, yeah, is there any other way? But okay, no, I'm going to hang on to you because it's you and me. I, I, I trust you. And then when he had finished <laughs> sweating drops like blood, he comes back and what happens? The disciples were sleeping. And it's like, my goodness. While Jesus was overwhelmed in the situation, the disciples were sleeping. And I think that's our fear sometimes. It's like when we share our stuff that other people won't get it. And, and you say, Jesus, they don't understand. Yes, he understands. Because they didn't get it. They came, oh, yeah, okay, what are we doing now? Boom, guards are there and then Jesus is off to get crucified. I mean, they might have done things differently if they knew the, the end of the story. And sometimes I, I think as a church, you know, society is quite good. You know, John Kerwin comes on, oh, look, I'm having um, uh, you know, a battle with depression and my rugby days, I used to do it and all this. And, and it's okay, you know, we, we're actually becoming more honest, but in the church we bury it. And, and I, I constantly see people, you yeah, know, I'm fine, I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine, I'm okay. And I know you're not. I see it. I've got a, a, a thinking of a family friend right now who I know is not actually fine. And it's like, when are you going to get serious? When are you going to let people in? And I know that when I'm speaking to a group of people like us, you know, I'm not the only one that's not fine. Because there's times and seasons in our lives that we're not fine. So I've got a few ways of combating this. So the first one is this, by throwing ourselves onto God. You know, it says... When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. Lead me to that which is strong, that is immovable, that's, that's there, that won't shift. I, all, and okay, like all around me is sinking sand. I just need to get a grip on this rock. It's you, God. And so we, we actually just have to make a determination that I'm going to stay connected to God in this time. And as I said, our friend's question was, you know, she, and, uh, from Australia, she, her son had a, had a, uh, a um, disease or something happen when he was 18 months old, and now he's um, retarded. And she pretty much blames God for that. So when my brother died, she says, does that throw you? And it's like, no, because I'm hanging on to the rock. What else have I got? The second thing is create the right atmosphere around our lives. And what are we feeding ourselves? Like I said before, man, I'm reading the Bible at the moment and it's not, really, it's not really jumping out of the page at me. And it's like I can feel really bad about that. And sorry, I'm a pastor, being a bit honest there. The pastor's not actually getting much out of the Bible. And so I have just got to go to worship, man. I've got to spend time doing what works for me. And why that song, you know, spoke to me. It was the, the broken bit. You know, I was in, I'm in the tractor. You know, I've got worship music everywhere. I can't handle secular music anymore, eh? I'm in the tractor and I'm just getting it. And I thought, I'm fine, but I'm not. I'm broken. Every time that I heard that chorus, it's in the top Christian songs. And I'm thinking, there's something that's hitting my spirit here. So I had to actually stop and listen to and check out the lyrics of the song. And then it's like, oh my gosh. You know, I, I, I'm not fine. You know, I'm listening to podcasts or, you know, YouTube. Um, I just, I'm just feeding that's all I'm doing. I'm feeding. I'm letting others feed me right now. You know, I'm, I'm not feeding terribly well myself. You know, I have my quiet times. I read the Bible, but I'm just like, man, is there anything? It's just not happening for me. And so, you know, I, I'm hoping that the, the grief season has its end. <laughs> Warren, <laughs> it's coming. 
The third thing is lower expectations on ourselves. It's okay to be not okay. You know, I had, 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 I've had people come to me and say, hey, look, I'm struggling in this area or I'm not okay. And you know what? With when Mal just shared there, you know, what, what really blessed me was when you guys started clapping and cheering when she decided to keep her son. When I read that, when she sent it to me last night, I thought, girl, you're gutsy. Um, and I actually felt nervous for her doing that. And yet you guys' response was just incredible because it's like you, you realised that life was in the balance and she chose the right decision at 16 years old. And uh, she's part of us now. And I just, just love the fact that uh, she has been a broken girl that has found God in a serious way. And she's part of us. So go and, say, go and just really encourage her because that was hard for her to do. But encourage her because she's just an awesome person. And, uh, you know, we love her, and I believe there's a leadership gift. Oh, can you see it? There's a leadership gift on her life. Fourth thing is be open and honest to the right people. You know, let others work the, uh, work, walk the journey with you. Um, the, the thing that we've got to understand is that vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. And, you know, so often it's like, oh, no, I can't tell you. No, you'll think I'm weird. But vulnerability is a strength. Can you say it? Vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. Now let's say it like we mean it. Vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. Three of you said it. Vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. And often, you know, we are too afraid to let people in. The healing comes when we let people in. You know, we say, oh, I'm just, doing it. I'm just letting God in. Yeah, but sometimes God uses, most of the time, God uses people to take you through that journey. The fifth thing is understand you're not alone. We all go through stuff. We all go through the hard seasons. We had one of our sons went, went into a, a short season, thankfully, of anxiety. And I tell you what, I thought he was losing it. To see our son who was... So good and funny, happy, enjoying life. My goodness, it was hard to watch. He had mornings he'd get out of bed, he could not go to work. There were days that he'd come home at lunchtime. And I'm saying, he, he's not just sitting there, I'm not going to go to work today. He's crying. I can't do it. I can't, I can't face the day. And, I'm, I'm, and, and Kath and I, you know, we're praying with him, praying for him, and helping him, trying to help him, encouraging him, saying, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. I'll pray again. And... Uh, we had some people come into our church. Thank God for churches. I love our church. Man, I love our church. After this morning, you know, the worship, I'm thinking, man, I don't even want to preach. Let's just keep worshipping. Let's just forget about the word because, man, we're coming into something that's really special. But this couple came to church and then they came back to it at lunch at our place and they were counsellors and an hour and a half with them and they, they, they showed them how to get out of the woods of anxiety. And literally, he came out straight away, basically, didn't he? Very quickly, he was, he was fine. I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then we were having a, a young guy's um, connect group that uh, a few nights or some weeks later, and, and he shared that story of anxiety with the group of young guys. And um, at the end of it, another guy says, thank you for sharing that, because I thought I was going mental. I feel the same thing. I've had you know, these, these things of anxiety overwhelming and not been able to cope with life. And when you shared your story, it gives me hope that I'm not crazy. And I thought, man, that's it. When, when we share our stories, and hey, connect groups are important. 
Because that's a place, a safe place for you to, to uh, say, hey, look, I'm not okay. I'm not doing all right. The sixth thing is stay connected. Don't isolate yourself out. The other day, I've got a mob of sheep and I can see my sheep over here, but there was one, and as a farmer, I've learned that if you see animals separate out, normally there's a reason for it. Okay, this sheep is going to be lambing. I know I'm a farmer and lambs don't come now. I've got four already. I don't know how that happened. But this sheep is lambing, and I knew there was something wrong, so I ran them in, and I checked her, and she looked all right, and she looked like the next one to have lambs. And then I realized what the problem was. She had dead lambs in her, so I had to lamb her. So, so now, she, by just her, what she did by separating out alerted me to that. Now, as people, we do the same thing. We separate out. Where have you gone? Now, not like in a paddock situation, I can see the separated out animal. But in, a, in, a, in life, as people, you separate, you just stay home. And we don't see you. And I've seen people go, oh, the church didn't care. They never come and saw me. Nobody checked me on me. It's like, well, you disappeared. Don't separate yourself out. When you're in pain, when you're going through that season, actually, it's more important to get around people. Kath and I had a pastor who did exactly that, said they were struggling, and this like great leadership anointing on their lives, prophetic anointing on their life. The church was growing. Things were happening. It was awesome, man. It was like, it was one of those exciting times as a Christian where we thought, man, things are really moving here. And then this person said, I'm struggling with burnout. It's just me and Jesus need to sort it out. And so we gave Jesus and her a little bit of time. But then it got to the point they didn't want to see anybody. I don't want any, um, anybody to see me drop around. I don't want anything. I can work this out. They lost their ministry, lost their marriage, lost their family, lost their friends, and disappeared. And then we went into this horrible season as a church where we had to try and pick it up. Horrible. Don't separate out. And then the seventh one is look after your physical, mental, and emotional health. Staying in bed and eating junk food does not help. And often that's all we feel like doing. You know, and I know some of my family members, we have our bad days, and not that I've ever done it, but we just pull the curtains or stay in bed because it's just too hard. But get out, fresh air, healthy food, be around the people that like doing what you like doing and go and do stuff. You know, it's just simple little things, but, but as far as our well-being goes and, and the fact that when we go through some struggles, you know, these are just some simple keys. You know, they're not even famous quotes or anything. They're just things that I found or thought about. <laughs> There's probably more things you can do. But because I said that I, and if the band could come up now, please, if, as I said um, before that, you know, I read the Bible and I'm just not getting anything. I've been going to, to worship. And this song um, stood out to me. And we sing it. Graves to Gardens. Have you read the lyrics? And for every young person that's here, every middle-aged person, every old person, you know, this needs to be our testimony. I searched the world and it couldn't fill me. You know, why are you here? Why are you? I'm here because what I was looking for wasn't out there. What I was looking for was in God. 
And I thought that's true. What we need is in God and what we need is, um, is in the, the people of God where we can actually um, help each other and walk through stuff together because it's flipping hard. And then look at the next one here. I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Yeah, right. Often it's like, I want to keep that as, as, as buried as buried treasure, man. You're not going to see it. But what say we lived like this? That actually, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Then I mean, where's Jason? You're here somewhere? Shared his testimony at our CLDP meeting the other night. I tell you what, it blessed us. Not because of his background or what he's been through, but his honesty and his rawness and his ability to just share his journey and to the journey where he is now. And it's like, mate. But most of the time we think, oh, I'm going to get judged. Someone's going to say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You bad person. And the church has been horrible in the past of bringing judgment on people. And yet, I like this, the, the lyric in the other song is that we're supposed to be a hospital. And that's when Jesus said, like, you know, the doctor, the physician comes for the sick. And yet we don't want to show our weakness, our failures and flaws because you might think less of me. It's time to actually take the risk and see what happens with our spiritual walk when we're honest and open with people about what we're going through. And then there's this next one here. I really love this one here. You're the God of the mountain and the God of the valley. And it's like, it's easy to say, everything's going great. It's fine, fine, fine. When things are fine, but when things aren't fine, everything sucks. We've got to realize and hang, in, hang on to, you know, the rock Jesus, that even in the valley, God is the God of the valley. Guess what? Our growth is in the valley. Our development is in the valley. The productive part of our lives is in that valley system. The mountaintop can't sustain that. So we're going to have these peaks and troughs in our walk. And we enjoy the experience all the way through. When we're in a valley, we know that, God, you're doing something special in my life. What he's doing in my life right now, I'm not too sure. I sort of feel like I've dipped down into the valley. Looking forward to coming back out of it. And then the, 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 uh, the chorus sums it all up. There's nothing better than you. There's nothing, nothing better than you. Is that not true? And if it's not true today, if, if you can't say that today and you need some help in that area, we're going to open the altar. If you're going through something that's a bit tough, you're going through something that's, you know, it's just hard. If you want to say, hey, look, I am, want to be honest enough to say that, hey, I, I need some prayer today. You know, we've got a, some of our prayer team here. They'd be, just love to pray with you. We're not trying to fix you. We're trying to walk with you, if you allow us to. Can we stand, please? Lord, I thank you, Father, that you're doing a work in our lives for the season that's ahead. And Father, I pray, Lord, that as we sing this song, Father, that any of these lines and the verses in this song speak to us, Lord. I pray, Father, we'd respond to it. And Father, we just love you. We just worship you as we sing the song. So just respond, please. If you need prayer this morning and you want some help, want someone to shoulder some of that, we'd love to do that with you.